Hi guys, and welcome back to another special episode of the Backwater Entrepreneur Podcast and Show, the show that guides your business from the backwaters to the global marketplace. My name is Jack, I'm your host, and it's time for another special episode. In special episodes, as I told you before, I bring about guests, and uh, today we're outside of our normal studio, we're in Belgrade, and I, for the first time I have a guest who's not a native speaker in English, but uh, is has lived in America for quite a number of years, and is a kind of a special entrepreneur because uh, even though his business is local, uh, it's an online business, and he has been struggling with so many obstacles along the way that for everybody listening out there, you can identify with the struggles, obstacles, and how to overcome them. So my guest is Vuk Grubeinic. Vuk, hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. So first of all, who is Vuk, and uh, what's your background? So have you always been in IT? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, actually, this is uh, something that I kind of grew into. But when you ask me who is Vuk, um, if you asked me two or three years ago, I would tell you, you know, a crazy young guy trying to change the world. But today, uh, with all of this uh, compressed experience, I would say a father first, and, uh, and then an entrepreneur uh, coming from, uh, from Serbia with some background uh, from the West. Oh, fantastic. And basically, the reason that you're on the show, so uh, you have a, a startup uh, 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 business, uh, it's called Cargo, and it's a kind of a, a version of Uber, a local version of Uber. Um, yeah, so uh, can you, can you, I see, I see the look. Yeah, <laughs> So sure. can, can you, can you turn on that? So who, who came first? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Uber came first, but before Uber, uh, it was Lyft. So yeah. Uh, we looked uh, at the Western market and what's going on with the ride-sharing space, uh, how it's changing the way that people um, commute and move around the city from point A to point B. Uh, they rely on, a, on an app uh, that connects them to, to a driver mm -hmm. who not necessarily needs to be a taxi, uh, but a, a licensed driver. So uh, I first used uh, those services uh, back in the States about four years ago and I realized how cool it is and how, uh, how many things you can you cannot worry about um, regarding the payments and uh, the ease of use of, um, of hailing a ride. So I wanted that kind of experience uh, in my hometown. Mm -hmm. and And, and basically, we know that Uber is kind of spreading worldwide and yeah. it's moving from country to country. So what made you start a local business? So are, weren't you worried uh, about, for example, Uber or Lyft coming to Serbia before you um, yeah. kind of succeeded or even, or even if you succeeded? Not really. Uh, it's interesting that I first, when I came back home, uh, so four years ago, Um, I first emailed Uber and I said, look, guys, you need to be in Serbia. You know, mm -hmm. Belgrade is a huge city and uh, I can make it happen. There was no reply, so I decided to make my own. Uh, and uh, no, I'm not, I'm not afraid because um, 
the market, uh, and we can talk about any city in the world, uh, is big enough for two or three players. So in any, in any industry, you know, you, you can have Coke, you can have Pepsi, uh, and then you can have many other uh, mm-hmm. drinks like uh, Red Bull, who came in and, and stole the show. Um, so thinking about that, you know, and knowing the local market and the local uh, needs, uh, we thought about you know customizing and localizing the software enough to be competitive and to start early so start before uh, everyone else uh, decides to to show up okay so let's talk about the beginning so mm-hmm. what are kind of the major obstacles in even starting this type of business in an environment which is you know, in, in media, we say that we're very progressive and, and very um, kind of uh, baby boomers in accepting uh, the, uh, digital innovation, uh, um, uh, at least among young people. But so what are the main obstacles in starting a business in an environment which is not the Western world or yes. the U.S.? Well, uh, a few things. Uh, but let's say that you have those things in mind when you start. Uh, we knew that we're not addressing a 300 million uh, population market. Uh, we're addressing, you know, uh, up to 20 million uh, when we talk about the Balkans. And that was fine with us. You know, I think it's still uh, a decent sized market uh, that our product uh, can, can spread on. Uh, the other thing is a local, a local potential of, and, and acceptance of technology. So we started back in 2015. That was, uh, you know, with a, a lot of a lot of positive things in mind that we're gonna, you know, get out there and make it happen, and uh, everyone is gonna love what we do, and that everyone will be ready to start some payments online. Uh, but that was for us the biggest obstacle. Uh, I would say, in order to, to grow, to grow faster, to scale. I think um, something that put us uh, above and aside from everyone else was also um, slowing us down, meaning that we started the ride-sharing uh, app that had no cash as, as a form of payment, and we still don't have it. So we took a road less traveled, so to say, uh, because we wanted to really emphasize the importance of uh, having the whole experience from ordering a ride to uh, just exiting the car without uh, a feel of transaction. And I'm sure uh, since you try their service, you notice that it works just like it works in Beijing or New York or South Africa, anywhere. You know, so we made the experience pretty much the same when it comes to uh, some standard things that you want to see in a, in a ride-sharing app. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the main obstacle in the sense of uh, starting a, a business which is cashless uh, in a sense that you require online payment and automatic payment and so in a, le- a, a legislative environment which is only beginning 
to think about accepting and and legislating online payments as as um, for businesses. Uh, now. I know that you had some issues with that in the beginning. So even uh, you started something with PayPal, and you had some uh, issues with yes. the local government. So can you can you reflect on that? And basically, uh, how much energy does it also involve? Not just uh, you know putting in the business, but also on on the lobbying side, on changing basically laws yeah. of the country yeah. in order to you know, make your business happen? Uh, a lot of energy, to, to put it simple, but uh, I'll go back and explain uh, for those of, uh, of you that haven't heard. Uh, basically in Serbia, I think everybody heard we had an issue and we ended up in court. Uh, National Bank of Serbia sued us. Um, we're still in court. I think we're going to win, uh, even if it takes 10 years. Um, but what, what happened? So we, uh, we wanted you know, a transaction to happen uh, in real time. And uh, 2015 in Serbia, uh, you, had, you had no option to uh, charge something online and get feedback that, you, that the customer paid for the service in real time. So in our uh, scenario, that the customer would need to buy credits and then uh, get a ride. And the only way to do it was through PayPal which was available in the country because the national bank said yeah it's okay finally we have it and so on but uh, it turned out that uh, it wasn't really uh, all that legal to sell stuff to uh, local residents through paypal because paypal is not a registered uh, e-money entity in serbia they are in the eu though so of course, not knowing who our, our customers are, meaning that we don't know if they're residents or not. And quite frankly, we don't care. Uh, we let the service go and uh, we started processing uh, transactions because that was the only way we had. Uh, we also wanted to include other ways and we did uh, soon after that. Uh, but we, we still kept PayPal and we still have it uh, today. So we got in trouble because the taxi uh, lobby uh, pointed, pointed out what we're doing. And uh, we had all kinds of inspections. We had to prove that everything we do is right and, and uh, by the law, by the book. We had to explain what PayPal is to the authorities. Uh, we told them that you can't print PayPal. Come on. And... Uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, in the end, uh, they were on our side. And they kind of realized what we're doing and that every transaction is uh, visible in the system. So in and out, you know, since it's electronic. And um, they kind of let us go. They, they let us off the hook. Uh, but they, they still keep a close eye on what we do. Since then, we, had, uh, we, had, we introduced like five more different types of payments including processing of the credit cards through the app and basically the the issue was that uh, paypal uh, who offers uh, transactions in different uh, various different currencies uh, doesn't support serbian dinar and uh, the the local law was that uh, uh, the resident transactions cannot be in in uh, foreign uh, a foreign yes. currency uh, the, the interesting thing about that, they were not, because PayPal took the dinar 
and converted it to euros. It gave us euros and then we converted back to dinars, lost 7% on each transaction, and then we gave dinars to our uh, partners, drivers. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. I wanted to say basically the way that you put money in to PayPal and take it out is only available right. within the local currency and it's only uh, uh, the PayPal's fault that it's uh, like processing and uh, changing money just for its own purposes. Um, yes, uh, that's because they can. You know, we yeah. were in touch with them as well. They did not plan to get e-money license in Serbia anytime soon. I think since then we became the biggest merchant on PayPal and Payoneer in the meantime out of Serbia uh, due to the amount of transactions that we processed. But uh, so far I think we did uh, 50 times more transactions than when we were in trouble. <laughs> so um, I think in the end we, we're going to win. And then we're going to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, th that's cool because uh, the last time I heard about your issues with PayPal, I heard about some humongous kind of fees that you had to pay or, or yes. the, the, the money that you couldn't put out, pull out out of, out of PayPal. That was the second issue we had. Uh, it was uh, PayPal's uh, sister company or daughter company called Braintree. Uh, we had to open up... Um, a company in London in order to process credit cards uh, in the way that is standard uh, for this industry. And uh, we did all of that and then we acted as a London company and then some strange things happened uh, to us uh, where that company that was processing uh, cards after six months suddenly they uh, couldn't figure out how to pay us out to just a different bank account, you know, a different number. Uh, and that lasted for a month and a half. They, they held uh, our money and basically we were forced to stop operations because we couldn't pay out the drivers anymore. Um, and then I wrote a basic rent on Facebook. People told me to put it on public. So everyone could see it, uh, people shared it, and within a week, we raised so much attention, we, got, we ended up on Hacker News the same day. Um, people reacted, you know, they wanted to help us, and within a week, we solved it, and we solved it, it was my idea. I told them, why don't you pay us two PayPal account? We have access to that. So thankfully, we had that, and we resolved it, and they... Wow, and, and so much issue, guys, and, and uh, some, some guys are listening from Serbia and you, you know about this or can learn from this. And for everybody else uh, listening from around the world where online payments are kind of standards, a given, <laughs> a given yeah. uh, so you can just see how much trouble can somebody, a business, have uh, from just this thing that you don't even think about uh, in that sense. So, okay, going back to the beginnings, um, uh, starting a startup has, you know, two ways. You can either bootstrap, you can, you know, raise an investment. Uh, which one are you? <laughs> well, we're the first, the first group. So uh, our idea is to go by the book, you know, build something, uh, build like an M MVP, <clears throat> even when it comes to our software. I wanted something basic that I could basically throw away and uh, once I raise more money to, to build it from scratch. Um, I wanted something basic that would allow the user to 
order the ride, uh, look how the car is coming to pick up, uh, pay, and then give some feedback. So those are basic things, right? It wasn't that easy. Uh, we made it, and then, you know, uh, on the first few rides, uh, customer ordered, and uh, all 10 cars that we had came to pick up one passenger. <laughs> so those are the early days, and that, that's fun. You know, that's the, that's the good stuff that we talk about. But uh, basically, we haven't had a real... So we, we gathered some money, we put some money together, and we started development. And within three or four months, we launched uh, without uh, having an idea what we're going into. We weren't ready, but I wanted to kind of... Uh, spread the pressure around to both the programmers and uh, and everyone else in, in biz dev uh, because all of the pressure was on me you know to, to put everything together so I kind of did the, the teamwork let's you know we're in this together so let's see what you guys are made of and uh, we were hoping that uh, really soon we're gonna get an investment and then that's gonna launch us uh, to to the stars but that didn't happen uh, even though we were close, uh, we were even promised an investment. But since this was still a, a gray area, so to speak, especially in this part of the world, uh, we didn't find a proper investor. So we tried, we, we scattered, you know, we tried to get money different ways. Uh, one time we actually shut down the service because we ran out of money. Uh, an interesting fact, uh, we sold a copy of our software in Bangladesh. Uh, not many people know that. So uh, then that gave us additional funds so we can restart and, uh, and go back to the basics. And then uh, just seven, eight months ago, we had our first angel round, um, mm -hmm. uh, which was a very small round, but we, we increased the business um, like 10 times since then and that's fantastic so um the, right now you you mentioned you had about eight people and about 300 drivers Correct. uh working for cargo so in the very beginning you you told me that you're a business background so you yes. you're not a developer you're you're not a driver for yeah. cargo did you ever were you ever a driver like a, the first one one ride one ride, one ride. The, the the test drive yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. okay so um how does someone who bootstraps and has only an idea in the in the business kind of background, you know, gather developers, yeah. uh, you know, people, uh, the, the team people, drivers? Wh yes. Where did the first drivers came from? Well, uh, friends, fools, and and family, basically, uh, some neighbors. Um, you got to have the hype. I think that was the basic thing. Um, Everyone around us knew that they're not going to make uh, money and become rich in, in three or four months or, or a year. Uh, this is not an easy task. Uh, we did gather the money to, to pay for some of the development of the app, uh, but everything else had to, had to be muscled in, uh, basically. So um, a lot of hype, a lot of uh, morale. Um, mm -hmm. you know uh, showing that you can do it you know attitude um, and we had people around us so a small team we started with mm -hmm. three people um, and they all believed that we can change something 
And very soon and very fast, we got some results. We got the feedback from, from the market and people loved what we were doing. Even though we only had six to 10 drivers a day, um, people were waiting for, for the ride for 20, 25 minutes. Uh, no problem. Even though they had to pay in advance to, to get the ride. And then over time, you know, we, we were telling stories, basically what we're doing and what we're trying to, to accomplish. And people uh, like that, you know, they, uh, they realize that we have uh, an ambition to, to change the world for the better, uh, at least our surroundings, uh, you know, the city of Belgrade, and then spread our service to other cities. Uh, around that idea is, is where people really cared. So we're still positive. Let's yes. keep with the positivity. And so, and we're, we're going to be positive at the end. Um, but, um, okay. So how, uh, with the positive attitude, you started building a business. Uh, how did f uh, the first users accept the service? And you just mentioned, uh, I was going to ask, so were, uh, were you having uh, too many drivers in the beginning or too many users of, yeah. of the application? And how did that balance out? Yeah. Well, that's a real tricky thing because uh, matching the supply and demand is one thing, but doing it in real time is a bitch. <laughs> Meaning you have to really um, hustle and, and um, th there's no uh, formula for this because we, get, we can get you know, seven downloads per day or we can get 250 or 1,000 if we end up in the news, which we did uh, a few times. And then what do you do? You know, even if you had 100 drivers, it, it wasn't enough because there was 1,000 people that now want to try the service. Um, so it was tough in the beginning. Uh, you know, some people just waited and uh, waited for their opportunity when the car was nearby. They tried it, they loved it, and then, you know, with their energy and, and our um, work and dedication, we increased the, the, the supply side um, slowly as the demand was coming in. And we could see it because uh, we, had, uh, we had PayPal in real time. So we could see what's going on, that people are, uh, really want to try it. So, but that was the hardest thing. And, and it still is. It still is because 300 people in a two million people city, uh, 300 drivers is nothing. We need 5,000, yeah. you know. Uh, Friday night, it's raining or snowing, forget about it. You know, you can't get a taxi, you can't get a cargo, nothing, you know. So we know, and we're following this, we learned a lot uh, about uh, people's needs and where they move and how they move and when they move around the city. Um, so we're trying to use that data and um, increase the, the supply in many different ways and, and um, meet the demand. Well, even now, 300 people don't work 24 hours a day. So exactly. that's actually not exactly. 300 people. So exactly. that's just, just 300 on, on the rooster, uh, roster. So um, do you have any uh, issues in finding quality drivers and how, how do you screen for that? So we basically have an opening um, constantly. Um, where people can sign up and, and come and interview. Um, we're accepting new drivers constantly, but uh, 
we believe in providing a chance to people. Uh, it turns out that you know, 20 to 30 percent of people that come in and they want to work, they actually don't want to work. And secondly, they don't want to do this job. But we still give them an opportunity. You know, uh, to some it's a week, to some it's a month, and then we uh, realize together that this is not uh, what they were looking for. So. Uh, we have our internal screening, some tests they need to, they need to pass. And then uh, they're employed by uh, one of our partner companies or uh, we encourage them to open up their own uh, uh, little shop so mm -hmm. they, can, they can do uh, transportation. Mm -hmm. um, everything is still uh, electronically based, so we, we get paid from the customer and on a weekly basis we pay out the drivers. Cool. So we know that looking at worldwide, Uber had also or has uh, issues in many countries uh, concerning local laws, taxis uh, associations, uh, very big like kind of negative pushback from uh, people who are already in transportation or, or, or the local government. So that's also an issue for you. So here in, in Serbia. And uh, when, you ever, when you started, did you ever think that this, what we're going to talk about right now, all the issues concerning the pushback is going to happen? Were you prepared for that? Uh. Prepared? No, not really for this kind of uh, media attention that we got recently uh, concerning the, the laws and, and the changing of, of those laws. Uh, but I kind of expected that something, something would happen. Uh, as long as we did what we had to do and we grow, we are basically attacking and transforming the market of uh, people transportation within the city. And uh, since this is an established industry, basically anywhere in the world, uh, these startups are disrupting the, the establishment. And that's not going to go uh, without, uh, yeah, unnoticed. So we expected something uh, similar to France uh, or uh, some other European countries um, would happen here, some kind of scenario, where taxi drivers would, would block the city and uh, demand to shut us down from the city authorities. Um, but we kind of learned from, um, from their experience uh, outside and we tried to apply, you know, whatever uh, arguments that they put out uh, even here. But, you know, an average citizen can use some basic logic and say, uh, for my money, I can choose who I want to, who I want to pay to get me across town, right? So uh, this is the only thing that, that we're asking for, you know, some freedom for our citizens to choose who they want to pick to get them across town, you know, in real time. So today, uh, it's a sunny day, I may want to take a bike you know, and bike across town uh, instead of getting a taxi or a cargo, whatever. Uh, our idea was to become a mobili mobility app, so to offer four or five different types of transportation to the end user. 
and have the same cool and uh, best payment uh, service that we have uh, for our customer. So if they want to decide to take a bike or a bus, we can show it on the map and we can make it easier for them to book it or to buy a ticket. Um, and then on the way back, if they want a taxi, why not? You know, we will open up a taxi button and so on. But that is the goal that we're going after. after. But for now, it's, it's cargo. It's a 30 to 50% cheaper ride than a taxi uh, in much nicer cars and where a driver is not going to hassle you about politics or, or anything. And, and let's, let's look at the, the, the different side because uh, um, we all know why the taxi drivers would be outraged, you know, like you're taking money out of our mouths, yes. you know, you're, you're working uh, in, a, in a gray area, you're not registered as a, as a I don't know, taxi, tra company, tra yeah. taxi company, transport company, yeah. whatever it is. Uh, from what everybody can can kind of perceive uh, the issue or, or the point of view where the government may get involved is the fact on how would you as as you would say a transportation provider or, or just an option so if somebody wants to take a bike if I, I, I go on a bike I'm a, I'm a, um, uh, I'm involved in traffic on my own account so I'm responsible for myself so uh, in a, a taxi or in a bus the bus company or the taxi association and, mm. and I, I know that's not the case in in practice but in some laws are kind of responsible for the consumer's right right so right. so the, if you buy something and you're not satisfied so you can you know have your money back or be some uh, somehow protected in the eyes of the law quote unquote mm -hmm. even in serbia <laughs> sure. uh, so how do you you know, from your point of business, solve that, uh, and from what kind of argument point do you stand when the government says, but you're not a taxi company, you're not a transportation company, and how do you protect your consumers? Yes, well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, we like to say that, yes, government, you're right, we're not a taxi company, and we don't want to be one. Uh, however, there is, Basically, for a lot of small countries, not just in Europe, but anywhere in, in the world, there's a common misconception that we don't have these laws, we don't have those laws. Uh, for e-commerce, yes, we are somewhat behind, and, and that's a fact, but we as a small company, we're pushing forward, and I think uh, other bigger companies are now trying to follow our lead, and I'm glad to see that uh, when it comes to e-commerce. But when it comes to transportation, we're actually doing well. You know, we just copied the law that yeah, I think Austria had. And um, uh, there is a law that, um, that says, you know, uh, that you can rent a car with a driver. Um, so it's called the limo service. And uh, it doesn't define what limo is. And we said, okay, we're gonna do a limo service. We're just gonna do a limo by the minute. And uh, by the law, we did everything by the book, by the existing law, um, where we as a, an IT company are organizing and getting the payment for this limo service. 
So for the end user, we provide the service of connection, management of um, the limo service or transportation, mm -hmm. and the payment, uh, because payment is also an issue. You know, mm -hmm. you have uh, you have an option to get a limo service from a regular rental car agency. Mm -hmm. You can pay in cash. You can pay by card. We said you can only pay through the app, but you have to register to become our user. So this is a private service. It's not a public service like the taxi. So taxi, you can hail on the on the street. You, know, you can wave him, you can yeah. whistle. I don't have to tell him my name. I don't exactly. have to do anything. Exactly, you can just jump in or you can call a random number and they give you uh, a closest car, right? So, uh, Another misconception, it's not so the, the, the taxi company is never liable for anything that happens to you in the car. It's always the driver and his insurance. Same thing with us, you know, all of our drivers have insurance and um, most of them have their own companies. If, if they don't, they're uh, working for some company. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to pay them out because of the different tax system that we have, yeah. unlike the US. So. Basically, the liability for anything that happens in the car is always on the driver. We make sure that every driver has uh, insurance. Uh, that's one of the things that they have to have in order to start working within our uh, service. But uh, the small print says that you are booking a ride through us and you are paying for the ride to the driver, but through our system. And that way, uh, there's no point of friction or uh, any point where you have to stop uh, and, and take the cash out or anything else. Uh, so when it comes to the government, you know, we had six different inspections uh, where we really had to dissect and tell them what we do. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, some ministries, especially the Ministry of Transportation, still doesn't realize uh, what we do, that we don't have a single car registered to our company name, that we only organize these rides, um, just like we organized a helicopter ride to, to Novi Sad a few days ago. Yeah. And how did that turn out? Great. Uh, people loved it. And we had uh, a little Facebook post where people uh, put comments and likes. And one guy had a thousand likes on his comment, why he loves cargo. And boom, he won a flight to... Uh, to exit festival and back. Cool. Um, um, so uh, basically, um, uh, before we move on, so where are you now with all the, the issues with the taxis and, and the government? So right now, the taxis are still outraged. Uh, I, I see that they stopped the, the blockation of the streets yes. in that sense. And I, I hear that there are some you know, movements on the government side, even though there was a, a suggestion of the law that was meant to kind of shut you down in, yes. in essence. To outlaw. To outlaw, yeah. you know. So when, when the government specifically designs a law to ban yeah. a business, so and you're not in kind of yes. the, the old uh, the old ways or, you know, you're not yes. prostitution, you're not crime, you're not yes. organized crime and so exactly on. Exactly. So, and, and we create a law that meant to outlaw a business. Yeah. So. Poor, poor Poor old government. It's not actually them. It was the taxi drivers that wrote the the suggestion of the new law, mm -hmm. and uh, we found it on their blog. 
it wasn't uh, it wasn't public on the ministry website. Uh, but basically, they they're saying that the the ride to a person can be given only by a licensed taxi within the city. So no other driver, professional, non-professional, no minivan uh, can give a ride with a car, with a passenger car, to a citizen. Uh, and then they say, okay, and then you have to see what the taxi guy needs to have a license, uh, this and that. There's a, a limited amount of licenses by the city, so by the local government, not the national. And there, there's also a fixed price, so uh, a minimum and maximum, I think it's both. Uh, you can't charge less or more. It's the taxi price, so no matter if you get a 40-year-old car, which you can in Belgrade still, for those who haven't tried, uh, they're more than welcome. We have some old-timers here. Uh, but you can also get a new car you know, in a taxi, and you still pay the same price, no matter if the guide smokes in the car or, or if he's the nicest person ever. Um, we wanted to change that, and our goal is to work with electric cars and uh, to work with small cars so they can shuffle shuffle people around the city we have no metro in in belgrade still yes for uh, at least another 30 years but <laughs> we're working on that yeah uh, what we're gonna do uh, we are trying to to lobby somehow we are not we're not politically backed at all and uh, we are basically relying on on the good faith of the IT community, which has a lot of say-so in Serbia, and I'm glad. Um, first, because uh, IT is a huge industry and uh, some of the smartest people that you can find in this country. And second, because their voice is is really heard. You know, so people uh, that that run the state uh, more and more. Uh, listen to what these people have to say including us you know from from the IT community so when something unfair is about to happen we we go public and we explain what's going on and we hope for the best that's the best thing we can do uh, we said we wanted to be uh, be a part of the group uh, that is gonna bring this new law uh, about transportation. Basically what they're doing, they're changing the law of tourism and the law of transportation. Two laws just because of one company with 300 drivers. It seems kind of incredible, but maybe they're doing it because uh, some bigger company wants to come in. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna do our best to change the law for the better for everyone and uh, to have some uh, leeway with you know who can give you a ride you know it doesn't have to be a licensed driver with 50 years of experience I don't care you know it's it's a three mile ride or four kilometers yeah. uh, across town you know you don't have to be a rocket scientist which by the way we have one <laughs> that's driving for us <laughs> and then people used to hitchhike you know mm -hmm. all, all the time so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is digital hitchhiking yeah. so um, uh, in all this, in all these, I mean, you just numbered in a very small amount of years so many obstacles that most people don't have in 10 years. So, uh, and, and yes. kind of life-threatening business shutting obstacles on every kind of corner. And in all this, you're still 
so positive <laughs> that yes. everything's going to be we just, work out. You know? We believe in miracles. You know, we're the underdog. We're the Cinderella story all in one. So, uh, so how, do you, how do you manage that? So where does VOOC uh, take its energy from? Well, some are from within, uh, somewhere from deep in, I, I guess. Uh, it also has to do something with the stars, I think. I'm a strong believer in astrology, especially lately. Uh, there's something that, something that uh, drives me, uh, even when all else fails or when everyone else fails. We, we shut down the business three times so far. And then we found a way and we're now profitable, you know, a small company out of Serbia doing ride sharing with no investment profitable. So I think that that's a miracle in itself. Um, it's tough. Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I keep saying this um, because especially in this part of the world, uh, I think that and I talked about this in some universities uh, where I was uh, holding some presentation um, that th we have uh, a different background than people in the West because uh, here you had communism, right? And uh, then you had socialism and then you had a war, war two. Um, people were thought, you know, our, think of two generations, just two generations before us. You know, people were thought that everyone is equal, you know, Radio, ne radio, svirati radio. So working or not, you're going to get paid. Um, just finish school, you're going to get a job. You're going to get an apartment and the state is going to help you. And, and that was all fine. It, it worked. Basically, everyone had, uh, had to be a part of the system, but the system took care of you. Uh, then we had, uh, fast forward, you know, 20, 30 years, a shift, a war, uh, inflation, uh, chaos. And then uh, all of a sudden we're, uh, we're going into a free market economy and we're, we're trying, in, trying you know, in transition. Um, it's tough. You have to teach people to uh, start paying online. You have to teach people to try new things, not to rely on, on the safe job and, and regular salary. Uh, for me, uh, since I had all this uh, life experience for 10 years that I lived abroad, I've seen how the world works. And uh, I, I was not afraid to quit my job and start something on my own. Basically, jump off the cliff and grow some wings uh, on the way down. Because, you know, th the risk is not that big. Uh, when you really look at it, yes, that there is an opportunity risk. Uh, I could have been making a decent salary doing something else. And that's that's true. But you know the the upside of being an entrepreneur and doing it in Serbia, I think, has sometimes in some cases more upside than doing it in the states, because the system already works. There's a startup. Oh yeah, you have this idea. Fine. Look at these five people uh, who already failed. They had this startup or or an idea. Uh, you know, I think the the biggest difference between uh, the Western civilization and and us here uh, that can really be described in business as well is that people in the West are uh, willing to try more. 
and the system when I say system meaning the, the environment and the government wants you to try more you know even if you fail you try again so then you try again um, whereas here if you fail you're a fucking loser you know and and people feel bad for you they want to they want to pet you you know they like they, I, I don't need pity you know that's the last thing I need even when we shut down the business you know people are saying yeah it's okay you know don't worry about it you can get a regular job now you have a, you have a decent <laughs> CV you can now get a regular yeah. job stop playing yeah, you, you know be just like the rest of us yeah. don't worry you know and and I understand because some people including some people in my vicinity have never been or would never do something like this especially in the crazy industry of crazy taxi drivers in in Belgrade um, they would not go against uh, that kind of machinery um, for me it was something like hey let's try it you know and then okay here's a result we were doing something right well, why don't we start you know continue building uh, who knows what's gonna happen I think I believe in great stories you know maybe I lived in the States for too long but I believe that everyone has a chance no matter where you are uh, even the gentleman that we sold the software in, in Bangladesh, he also had a chance. But he never decided to start, you know. He was there, there was no competition, there's no Uber, and there's, I don't know, uh, 20 million people in a city that's three times smaller than Belgrade. Uh, so, everyone has a chance. You've you got to try and, and you got to try over and over. I, I do believe, I, and I want to expand on this, that what you said, you know, jump off a cliff, grow, grow the wings on the way down, uh, that is... I also tell to everybody, you know, not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is hard, you know, and you have to work on yourself and most people don't want to work. So even when we get to the small percentage of people who want to work yes. in the sense to, to work on a job, because uh, I know so many people that don't even want to work in a job. I just want to have a job, get paid. If yes. I ha can do as little as yes. work as possible, it's going to be fine. But to want to work and to want to work on yourself when you don't have stuff to do yes. is kind of the turning point for for yes. an entrepreneur wanting to uh, when and when you work on yourself then you see the opportunities that you can risk you know if i jump here and i want to work on myself i can risk it because i'm going to grow into this i'm going to learn this i'm exactly. going to get new skills exactly even if i don't have them right now i agree you're 100 percent right plus uh, let's not forget the team you know if you stay motivated which is i think uh, the crucial point you have to be motivated you have to love what you do you have to be passionate about it meaning that you know, when everyone else wants to go home, you're out there on the court trying to shoot threes and, and make them, you know. But if you're with a team, and I was lucky, I had a, a pretty good team that helped me pull through even the, the toughest times. Uh, interesting fact, we, uh, last time I think, yes, last time we jump-started the service, we had no employees. Not a single programmer, not a single employee, I was working two jobs, so, uh, and I funded the restart uh, out of my own pocket. Uh, no, imagine running an IT company without anyone looking over the software. 
not saying that the software was great, but <laughs> it worked, you know, it, it, it worked yeah. because we turned it on. I told my ex-programmer, turn it on and let's see what happens. Uh, and we invested in marketing as, uh, again. So the, my point is, you know, you got to have the good team to, to follow. Uh, you know, if the idea is going to be big and it's going to change uh, the status quo, you always need a team. Uh, unless you're, you know, you're playing some individual sport, but in that case, you also need a team to follow you. Otherwise, you go crazy. You know, you, you loop around uh, your own head. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very important piece. Uh, that yeah. Well, entrepreneurs are often leaders, and and they they learn or they are inherit leaders, so they can inspire people around them. Either by motivation or 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 to motivate them to work. So so uh, we're we're getting to the end of the interview right now. And uh, the final question is: since this is a worldwide show, backwater entrepreneur uh, g targeting the global market anywhere from from anywhere in the world. So with all of the experiences of going through brick walls yes. <laughs> and had hand straight, you know, what would be your advice for entrepreneurs who find themselves in front of a wall over and over again? Uh, first, look how big is the wall, you know, uh, and then how to, to climb it, how to uh, get over it or run through it, you know, and then decide what's the best strategy. But definitely not give up on the, on the first take because no matter how big the issue is, uh, we don't like to call them problems, uh, maybe some issues. Uh, there's always some kind of solution, you know. Uh, either the solution will come from the other side of the wall or from this side, but from some parts of your team. Uh, it's important to, uh, to keep pushing uh, and then to, to find a way to, to resolve. I think that the endurance is a big part of the entre entrepreneurship so uh, you have to stay motivated but you have to go to work it's not gonna come that's the that's i would say the biggest difference is you know yeah maybe i'm not gonna work go to work today you know or i might just sleep in uh, the work is not gonna get done you know my wife tells me yeah but why can't you come home earlier i can but i have to leave early in the morning then you know, because if I don't show up, my part of the work uh, is not going to be done by anyone else. You know, um, we're a small team and uh, yes, everyone is dedicated to um, a few things, but basically you have to do the work. And that's a fantastic point. So finishing this off, uh, guys, if you're listening to this and if you see now Vuk, uh, Vuk uh, you know, it, having issues from the competition, calling calling them taxi drivers, and even the government trying to shut him down. I don't want to hear you bitching about you know any of other smaller problems you may think you have in your entrepreneurships. So Vuk, thank Fine you very way. much for being on the show. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And guys, I'll see you on the next episode of the Backward Entrepreneur. Mm -hmm.